0: Welcome back to Della Della Bills, A Way of Life to Build Personal Wealth and Financial Freedom. So I wanted to take today to talk through something that happened uh, a little while ago, so not that long ago, but not super, super recent. But it was this whole issue with SVB Group, Um, so basically the Silicon Valley Bank, which is a bank in California that mainly deals with high-tech companies, venture capitalists, those who are really focused on trying to raise money for in a lot of in a lot of ways startups or, you know, tech-heavy startups, but startups very specifically and, you know, although this this would probably seem like a great niche for a bank to kind of get into especially in that area, there's always risks with that and I think with what's playing out in the economy and the environment, we saw it all kind of come to a head, which is essentially what happened to that that company, that bank, very rapidly, and the essentially the you know the decline there, the the halting and the selling off of stocks, the dropping rapidly of stock prices, the closing down of the bank and the halting of all activity. That. Really was it was taken over by by regulators and probably in, in a good move to take that over swiftly and quickly because you know there was already some some trickle effects of you know investor concerns and also depositor and customer of the bank bank's concerns and wider spread we're seeing a bit of a domino effect with other regional banks having kind of a similar situation happen uh, just after this. And then even some some loss, some stock market impact on some of the largest banks as well. So I just wanted to touch on this scenario and this topic and then kind of end with why it's so important for, for you as both an investor, but also somebody who uses banks. One, to not let this worry you too much, but to be smart when you put your money into a bank. And so I'll kind of go over some of the uh, FDIC insurance requirements and what that and what that looks like and how you can kind of protect yourself and your money going forward and you know forever in a bank and and not fear banks or not let situations like this steer you away from using banks but also not let you not steer you away from investing in bonds or treasury bills so on and so forth because once I get into kind of why why this situation occurred, you'll understand why I'm saying that. But I just wanted to touch on the subject in case you guys aren't fully aware of, of why it happened, the nature of why it happened, and and why the good thing is, you know, with FDIC, really as long as your your money is insured, you're you're safe. But you know, from an investment standpoint, from an investor standpoint, if you are a shareholder in one of these in one of these companies, in one of these banks, you always run the risk you have common or preferred stock, of you know of these these liquidations happening, of of the stock plummeting, and the end result there is that that risk is is always present. If you own preferred stock, the risk is a little bit slightly it's slightly better. You have a little bit higher priority for getting you know getting paid out appropriately when things like this happen. But from a common stock standpoint, that's that's the risk. That you take when you when you invest in, in that common stock for a company. So there's there's a couple of different scenarios that, for, again, from a from an investor standpoint, whether that's investing in the stock of one of these companies or putting your money in the physical bank, those are the types of things that I want you guys to be aware of. So just wanted to get into what exactly happened. So it's not, it's something that probably seems very overnight but it really wasn't overnight. It was something that has been kind of year, a couple years now in the making, and I'll kind of explain what that means and why. So specifically for SVB, and again, because they're really focused on some of these smaller startup, high-tech type companies, they did a couple of things that really ended up putting them in a bad position, especially due to where interest rates have come to come up to and what's happening with inflation but then what also continues to happen with the with the tech boom that we had really kind of over the last couple of years it's it's kind of cooled recently but not quite enough to to help support the bank in 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 the lack of deposit and the lack of cash needed from some of these customers so basically during kind of the 2020-2021 tech boom, SVB received a massive volume of deposits during that time, and then invested those proceeds, which you would think would be a smart thing, but it, it turns out it was it was too tied up into long-term Treasury bonds while the interest rates were low. Well, now that the interest rates are higher and have really continued to creep up steadily, sent really since 2021 the market value of those treasuries are really substantially lower than than they initially paid. So not only did the bank sell those assets at a big loss, but it also said that clients' cash burn rates hadn't slowed down as much as anticipated in the current economic climate. So although there's, there it has been some cooling, the need for money and the, you know, deposits have still been leaving the bank faster than expected this year. So basically what happened is they tied up too much of their money, too much of their assets in very long-term, long-dated treasuries. And when you do that in this type of environment, in an environment where you start off with really, really low interest rates and they slowly creep up, typically what happens is the valuation on those treasuries are invert are inversely related to interest rates. So as interest rates increase, the value of those long-term bonds, long-term treasuries typically decrease. So essentially, they had a significant sum of money tied up into these bonds that were essentially losing money. They were not worth what they had paid originally. And at the same time, all of their money being tied up, they didn't have the money to kind of shell out for deposits for these, these companies, these startups these VCs that were needing the money. So it's a little bit of a, of a double whammy there. So as that's occurring, and this being a public company, they are announcing these plans and they're announcing kind of what they're going to do to offset both the losses and the excessive deposit outflows, which didn't really sit well with the investors, didn't really sit well with the customers of this bank. And so the problem was there was kind of this run on the bank if you will, that really just exacerbated the situation. And you create this panic where not only the the people who are using the bank, the customers, are trying to take out their money as quickly as possible because they don't feel safe. They don't feel um, secure with the existing conditions, especially with the lack of cash flow and the, uh, the tied up capital that, that's decreasing in value. But you also have you know investors doing the same thing from a from a shareholder standpoint they're selling off their stocks rapidly you saw over you know within less than a week just a couple of days where the stocks plummeted and you also saw where essentially the bank was officially shut down by regulators on that friday so literally from like a monday to a friday this all happened the good news here and i think it's mainly on it's not so much on the shareholder side more on the customers using this bank side is that there has been promises from from the fed and also from and also from the fdic that any customer who had up to $250,000 per account deposited with svb would have that money back by that next monday morning so again not even not even a week later and that money would be would be fully fully there Again, because it is FDIC insured, which is the whole point of that. Just so you guys know, from from what I can tell, you know, the, the last time that we've actually had a bank, you know, quote unquote, fail was in in two thousand eight. So it's been a while since that's actually occurred. But since FDIC has been or NCUA, you know, for credit unions, but since since that regulation has been and that insurance has been put into place, not a single person has lost money. As long as they're meeting those thresholds, which I'll talk a little bit more about here at the end of this episode. So it's something to consider, and it's it's definitely something to think about when you're weighing the options of, you know am i am I now scared or nervous to use a bank versus, you know, how can I smartly use a bank and make sure that my my money is covered, my money is insured? So I did want to mention that because I think that's a really important thing to note here. I think what's also interesting to note is, not only the perception by the customers and the investors for this bank because of the amount of assets they were having to sell off at a loss just to cover deposits, and what happened was the resulting essentially bank run on this bank, but the trickle effect again, I mentioned it earlier of other, you know, kind of smaller regional banks. I think this is like the 16th largest bank. So, you know, it's, it's not one of the massive banks, but it's, it's large enough where this is kind of a big deal, but it's interesting. It's that it's impacting all of these, all these other banks too. And it's interesting that, you know, a perception and, and just some of this information coming out, how it can really spook people and spook investors and spook those who use these banks. And, you know, also how the banking system in in our society ties so directly with so many other things that we do so many other businesses that we work with and in turn if those businesses have their money tied up in this bank or are able to get their money out of this bank how it also impacts you know their businesses and it kind of becomes this domino effect of you know businesses Maybe closing or having to, you know, take out artificial loans because they don't have the cash flow. Because you know, for for one reason or another, they're not able to get their money out. Maybe it takes longer than than this amount of time to to, to get their money because everyone's wanting their money at once. So it is a little nerve wracking when you see some of these things happen because of the intertwined nature and relationship of the banking system and really how our country operates so I think it is interesting both from a personal standpoint and a business standpoint to keep that in mind to be very mindful and conscious of that and again be very be very strategic with how you bank how you invest in banks what banks you invest in and some of these things we a lot of these things we can't predict but understanding the environment, understanding what's happening in the environment, but also like not freaking out because it's those freak out moments that it's similar thing to, you know, when you have bad weather or when you had the pandemic and people freak out and buy a lifetime supply of toilet paper. It's this very similar concept. It's this human rational behavior or maybe irrational, depending on how you look at it, That negatively impacts our, it's kind of like a fight or flight impulse to make ourselves safe, make ourselves, you know, think about ourselves and take an action to, you know, benefit and, and, and make our own lives safe and our well-being more stable instead of looking at the bigger picture. But it is interesting and it, and it is something that you, you guys should all be mindful of that there is this you know, kind of intertwining of the banking system, and really everything else really like how, how the economy operates, how we buy and invest and, you know, purchase goods and services. And so so that can't be taken lightly. And there's a reason why, you know, the, 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 the regulators stepped in so quickly on this, because they saw it coming, they saw it, escalating very quickly and snowballing very quickly so you know it's something that you as kind of personal investors again and as customers need to think about and need to need to be aware of so going back to the FDIC the FDIC is the federal deposit insurance corporation and essentially it's an in, its insurance to keep your money safe it's insurance to stop things like this from happening and to put you at ease and give you peace of mind when you do use a bank for your money, to house your money. Because I still do think housing your money in a high yielding savings account in a bank or um, a money market account, somewhere that can give you a reasonable amount of interest is a much better way of doing it than hoarding your cash at home. Inflation's always gonna be present. It's never gonna go away. And your purchasing power is going to continue to erode year after year. And so if you're doing nothing with that money, if your money isn't making money, then it's all—it's—it's it's almost just as bad as, you know, losing money. I mean, you are losing money. Your money is eroding. So you need to be smart with it. You need to put it in these vehicles that are safe, reliable, relatively risk-free, but are giving you something on top of it for it basically just sitting there. So the FDIC insures up to $250,000 per depositor, per institution, per ownership category. Those are all very important because I'll give you an example of different ways you can actually break these up to mitigate that risk of having more than $250,000 in an account under a specific ownership in a specific institution. And some of you are probably wishing and hoping you could have that problem but i will tell you there are ways to get around that in in the sense that let's say you have a trust and let's say you have an account under your own personal you know individual name you could put two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a bank account under your trust name under the trust itself as its own account and you can also do it under your individual name and then potentially under, you know, your spouse's name and that could give you some variability in, you know, up to maybe $750,000 if you want to keep and your money in the same institution. It might even be better from a risk standpoint to start branching out with various institutions and opening various accounts with various institutions to again mitigate and spread out that risk. Cuz again, you want to make sure you don't have a single account or ownership category depositor and institution that has more than $250,000 in it. As soon as you hit that, you want to move move that money somewhere else. Again, start a new account associated with your information, go to a different institution, so on and so forth. Because you want to make sure you're not exceeding that limit cuz that limit will be insured but not necessarily a dime over that. And that's, you know, some of the some of the issues we're hearing about now. So that's key here. The other thing is what they what FDIC covers. So typically it's going to be your your uh, checking account, your savings accounts, money market accounts, CDs or certificates of deposit, cashier checks, money orders and then negotiable order of withdrawal accounts. So all of those are pretty much like readily available you know, liquidation accounts, basically where you can access your money fairly liquidly. But that's where the FDIC insures. So it insures all of those different, essentially types and categories. So the thing to note is what is not covered by FDIC insurance are annuities, investments in stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, losses incurred from investments, even if they were purchased from an insured bank, life insurance policies, contents in a safe deposit box housed at the bank, or municipal securities. Another thing to note is U.S. Treasury bonds, bills, and notes are not covered by FDIC insurance, but they're backed by the full faith and credit of the federal government. So there is still that, you know, kind of risk return relationship there, even though they aren't directly FDIC insured. The other thing is it's fairly easy to to see and to confirm if a bank is federally insured. Typically they'll have the FDIC insurance logo on the website and you should be able to look up that information for the bank that you may be wanting to bank with. I would honestly only recommend using a bank that is that has that FDIC insurance associated with it. And most, if not like all of the big banks are gonna have that. Even the online banks that have popped up over the years Credit union, same thing, but it'll be called something different, but they still have that $250,000 limit of insurance on your money. And the goal with that FDIC insurance is that your money is safe if the bank fails. So if something like SVB happens to your institution, to another institution, and you know there is no guarantee that it won't, that your money is safe, that you will get that money back, and that you don't have to worry about if a bank fails are you going to lose all of your all of your savings all of your money that's associated in that bank again only up to $250,000 and just some other numbers for you guys that are kind of interesting since 2001 there have been 563 bank failures the majority occurring as a result of the 2007 to 2009 recession for reference there are roughly 4,700 FDIC insured banks as of December, 2022. Silicon Valley Bank, the one we were talking about, and Signature Bank are the first banks to fail since October, 2020. Lastly, just to touch on the FDIC insurance again, as a resource to double check and to make sure that your financial institution is covered by FDIC and is FDIC insured, there is a tool that you can go to to check your institution. What I would do is I would search FDIC's bank find tool and it should be pretty easy to find. But basically you go there and you can find institutions by by the name and location to make sure that your institution is indeed covered. And instead of just checking for the logo on the website, you can double check using this resource. And I think it's worthwhile to do because as I said, it, as long as you guys are within the limits of FDIC insurance and you make sure and stick to that that number you should be good even if your bank fails which seems crazy but it's I think it helps you rest easy knowing that that's the case okay guys so I'm gonna end with that and as always I want you to remember respect yourself by respecting your money we'll talk soon